Hey everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. In this episode, I'm joined by David Christian and Danny McCarty, who both work in colleges. Uh, David, who works at the University of Arkansas, and Danny, who works at the University of Southern Alabama. And they wrote a journal piece on Ubuntu cards and its relationship to Adlerian counseling. So I am very, very excited to be talking to the two of them about what Adlerian theory is, what Adlerian counseling is, and its relationship to adventure programming. The first question, before we even get into the, the core of the interview, how are both of you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing good, actually. This is uh, the time of my life. I just uh, recently started the career of my dreams. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm still on the honeymoon period, I guess, but I'm loving it. Because you've, and correct me, I was just checking, uh, you're now in Southern Alabama. You're not at the that's University right. of Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mobile, Alabama. That's yeah. the University of South Alabama. Yeah. What about you, David? How are you? Good. Yeah, just um, I've, I've been having some discussions about silver linings through it all. And I think one of the, the biggest silver linings for me in adventure would be just um, I think any of us who maybe got complacent had to um, kind of retap into that creativity um, when it came to adventure. I have students doing dissertations, um, supervising school counselors and therapists doing adventure therapy and with six foot distance or online and that sort of thing, we've really had to tap into to our cre- creativity. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of with Danny doing good. Danny's a, an, an old student of mine. So <laughs> to see him land in his dream job and do what he does well um, is really exciting for me. So um, this is kind of a special podcast to be able to do this with him. And um, I, I you know, don't let his accent fool you. He is from the South. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's like I'm from definitely from Vermont. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, um, I can remember one of the first calls I got um, when I got to the University of Arkansas and it was from Danny. He's like, man, that is an accent. And it's just been really cool to see him go from, a. Um, I think that was a family class, wasn't it, Danny? It was. Yeah, family counseling class um, to now he's an assistant professor and doing great work. This The article we're going to talk today is his brainchild. So, mm-hmm. First question I have for both of you is, what was your first interaction with the world of adventure and experiential education? And then we'll dive into then the counseling piece. But Danny, we can start with you. My first experience with that would be, would be in, in David's class. I never had had classes where the professors would would interact with students in that way. We've even gone outside and and done adventure activities. And this is just a a, a regular graduate level class. And we're outside learning, learning material by doing activities. And it really opened up a new world to me. And he actually made made a course for it with just a whole nother department. We came together and made a course, an adventure course. And and that was life changing for me, uh, just seeing how how we could use adventure to help with education, to help with counseling, uh, relationships, just better bettering ourselves, um, gaining confidence. And one of the things that that I really that I really like that really hit home with me are, are two things. One is the the circles of comfort, and I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that. And then realizing that, that that can be used for so many different scenarios, for so many different issues, could be used for, for counselor education, uh, could be used for counselor supervision, for personal growth, for, for teamwork, for, for just a vast amount of things. And one thing that it did for me personally on the adventure course that David did, the idea of the circles of comfort and finding my stretch zone and then with the challenge by choice. So uh, I, I was trying to keep myself in that stretch zone so that I could grow. And through that, I was able to encounter, encounter my anxiety and my fears. Yeah. Awesome. David. 
Yeah, so I'm a I'm a teacher by training, and I think like many of us in the field, my um, love for adventure and experiential ed probably started young and through personal experiences with family, um, spending time hiking and canoeing and doing those types of things. Um, but I was a I was a high school teacher, um, and I taught special education, and I worked with um, students who were exhibiting behavioral difficulties and. They could come in my class and we'd teach them at a, a teaching assistant and we would teach them really any subject they needed. It was a place where they could come and feel safe and get work done and that sort of thing. But I had um, my assigned topic to teach them was social skills. And so I have this group, mainly high school uh, males, and they gave me a textbook, a social skills textbook. And they're like, all the worksheets you need are in there, um, all the lessons you need are in there, just work your way through it. And I remember it was like, well, if you, and if you don't like this textbook, we have others you can choose from. And so I started, I started that way and just had no buy-in, saw no learning. And I, and I found that we would go outside to play different games. And during those games, I would find opportunities to teach. And so I started to um, like work lesson objectives into games that we play outside. And I was pretty excited because I developed adventure therapy. Like I discovered this and I'd created it. And I felt really good. And then as I searched the literature, I was doing a master's in counseling at the time. I realized it existed. And I think the first resource I stumbled upon on the internet was raccoon circles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like life changing to, to download that and to start working through those activities with, with students. We were doing sticky snake. I remember one of my earliest activities uh, you're doing sticky snake and, one of the students, I had given them some peppermints. That was like the anti-venom, you know, and they're playing and all of a sudden someone was stuck in a situation. It's like, hey, I need, I need to get unstuck. Give me the, give me one of the anti-venom. And the, I remember looking at the kid and he just had this look on his face. He had eaten all the anti-venom. Like he hadn't <laughs> been paying attention to eating it all. And uh, it, was a, it was a, it was fantastic, like processing. But so that was really life-changing, you know, and it was cool to, even though I thought I was really creative and unique and it, found this whole new approach to teaching and learning. It was great to find all these other resources. Uh, from there, you know, I stumbled upon exploring islands of healing and read that cover to cover. And luckily in my master's program, I had some great mentors that um, let me be really flexible and creative in how I did my work. I did my master's at University of North Texas, and there was a professor there at the time, uh, Tori Portry Beth Key, who had done adventure and wilderness therapy up in Idaho at Idaho State. She's now at um, Southern New Hampshire. So she, she's up in, up in your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. But so I started to work with her a little bit, decided to do a doctorate and go study with her. Some things happened, but I ended up doing two workshops at Project Adventure. And that's where I met Nate Folan and trained with him. And mm-hmm. that was incredible. I did an adventure-based counseling course to Tara Flippo, and that was incredible. Um, and that just really helped me kind of sharpen my skills and then uh, start to make adventure my own and, and tap into my own creativity, like what Danny was talking about. And you know, the two words that he used, I just love the, the creativity and then the courage. Both of those are so key to adventure therapy, but um, also so key to Adlerian theory. That's been my journey. It's uh, coming to the uh, University of Arkansas has definitely um, been a great springboard into even more. We started the Adventure Therapy Lab here. Where we're doing research and training. I've led study abroads in adventure therapy, which has been incredible. And had fantastic students like Danny and some others that are, that are coming through and helping to um, advance the field. So, I almost get, and I wonder if you experienced this too, Danny, as as uh, David was speaking. I almost get this like goosebumpy kind of feel because I could sense from the way you're describing it the passion you have, and from my perspective as an adventure trainer, experiential education trainer, to hear the correlation between what you're saying in your experiences and bring them to your environment ex- greatly excites me. I was, uh, I've, I've conducted maybe six interviews in the last couple of weeks. Every single interview has been with different people, not necessarily doing the work I'm doing, but doing the exact work I'm doing. You know, if I, if that sort of makes sense. And it, and it's exciting to hear the, the things you're talking, which I'm completely understanding, but bringing it into a world that I don't necessarily understand. And I think you referenced this as well, Danny. It's like, I wouldn't have assumed to do these things. You said like, oh, we were doing this in a class, like, in a, you know, and it's, I've almost said to most people that I speak to that I think experiential education is far beyond just the outdoors, far beyond the, the realm of summer camps and outdoor ed facilities. And it should be utilized in more fields. For both of you, what, like, 
What inspires you to continue to bring adventure work into the work you do? What do you see? What's the why behind your choices to bring those two worlds aligned? Phil, I'm so glad that you you talked about how it, it can be not just not just outdoors, mm-hmm. not just going on canoe trips, not just climbing a mountain or something. It can be applied anywhere. The reason that comes to mind that's at the forefront of my mind, it tears down walls. It tears down the barriers between me and somebody else to grow and learn. And so I feel like we all can walk around with these barriers between our own progress and between helping other people and being cooperative. And so that's just just such a natural way to, to just take that barrier, set it aside, maybe even blow it up and, and start working together. That's what I see because I can sit in the classroom and, and just zone out. I can sit in the classroom and be daydreaming about something else, not really taking in the material or for a number of reasons. It might be because I don't understand the material, but whenever I do an activity, I do an experience and then I'm cooperating with other people while I'm doing that. The understanding starts to unfold. The barriers start to come down. With in the adventure wave, I've, I've, when I talk it, I talk about it, when I teach it, when, when I write about it, I've, replace the doing with playing. And I think, you know, Danny's onto something. Um, I think play is really important in adventure. The breaking down of barriers, I think, is is a great point. I had a grant over the past two years where we were working with, you'll find this interesting, Phil, we were working with um, youth coaches from Senegal, from West Africa. Mm-hmm. And um, the grant was uh, through the State Department and there was, it was an exchange. And so we brought 17 coaches from Senegal to the U.S., to Northwest Arkansas. The point of the grant was all about promoting public and mental health and through sport. So it was really character development through sport, um, social change through sport. So anyways, we brought these 17 coaches here to America from Senegal. We had this, our students had built this program to uh, using the sports education model. There's all this stuff. Anyways, my, my side of it was character development and it was really about using like adventure, experiential learning and adventure therapy to help promote mental health and in, in the youth that they worked with. So everyone got a portable adventure bag from High Five Learning, which was awesome. Everybody got Ubuntu cards, which was awesome. And one of the days early on in the program, I was facilitating some warm up activities with this group. And we had two two translators because everyone spoke French and only one of our team at the U of A spoke French. But we did have two translators but I'm facilitating and spoken with Mark Collard or, and, and he had given me some feedback about, you know, how to facilitate through a translator. And then I work with someone in New Zealand who does a lot of training for like English learners. And so he had, he had consulted with us about how to, how to teach and how to facilitate in a different language. And it was hard. It was hard. It was so hard because there was this gap. And so I, br- I brought out Ubuntu and we went, we played Ubuntu Challenge into Ubuntu Championship. And I've done that so many times. And it was incredible to see our group come together and play that. And you probably wouldn't have known that half the group spoke French and half the group spoke English as we played. It was just one big group having a blast. And it, and it changed when we started to play that. And then we moved into, there was a whole sequence of things. But then we started to hand it off. And some of the Senegalese started to lead these games. And we were facilitating different activities and building group cohesion. And we were hardly speaking at all because of the language barrier. Just through play, we were able to come together as a group, which is really important because they had two weeks here. And then we took a group to Senegal for a week. And so there was a lot of opportunities to get out of your comfort zone, to be in your stretch zone. And that cohesion was really, really important. And so um, to be able to do that through experiential learning, getting out of the classroom that we had reserved, going out into a field, playing these games um, and connecting through play. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love doing this. And then therapeutically, what I really love about adventure and adventure therapy is it can bring the problem or the issue that the that the client is struggling with into the here and now, into the moment to where I can see it and get a better understanding of what's going on. And then through that, sequence other activities to help the individual or the group grow. So it's like an assessment technique, but then also an intervention technique. And that's, 
I, I just love that about adventure and adventure therapy. And, and David, whenever you talk about the, the here and now, bringing it into here and now, and you, you can use that to, to assess, you know, what's going on in the person's life or what might need to be worked on. But also just whenever it's gets activated in the here and now, um, just the, the person having a different experience than how they've always had can be a corrective experience in and of itself. Um, and that, that's one of the things I love about it. So with working in the here and now, because, uh, it's just, it's the perfect way instead of wondering about together with somebody about what might happen and how, how we might change. It's like, okay, we're changing right now. It's like, here's the experience. Uh, all the important people in my life, whenever I was growing up, interacted with me a certain way whenever I acted this way. And now here's something I've got a different experience. I'm able to explore new ways of interacting with people. It's so powerful. And and that's really key to Adlerian theory and Adlerian therapy. Um, just identifying those patterns, getting some awareness into those patterns that we establish or the client has established over over a lifetime. And then having the opportunity to choose to live differently if they want to. And adventure therapy and experiential learning is the perfect opportunity to do that. And in addition, the importance of feedback as people try different behavior and adventure therapy provides opportunities for so much feedback. I just think that's, that's part of the magic of it or the power of it is being able to try something new if you want to, find encouragement to do that, um, and then get, get good feedback. And, you know, with the experiential learning cycle, there's that constant pattern of processing through and getting feedback and then trying again. This is obviously way too big to talk about in the next like 20 minutes. But briefly, who, who is Alfred Adler and what is Adlerian theory? Right. I mean, it is a, it is a deep conversation. Yeah, tell us about your entire can, life and your experiences yeah, and your yeah, job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that, I think that we can do, I think that we can do a good job in the time that we have. So, uh, you think about being born. I know you probably don't remember it being born, but whenever we are born, we enter this world just completely unable to, um, survive on our own. We have to have other people to help us. So what that, condition is is inferiority it's what adler would call inferiority we're unable to meet life's demands so then on the other side of that you have superiority these days looked at differently than what adler might would look at it so when you think of superiority i I would think of it as superiority over life's demands right Um, being able to meet life head-on a position of inferiority or feelings of inferiority to feelings of superiority so so how do we strive to move from this position of feeling inferiority to superiority so where we're capable the way that we do that we form this template whenever we're young about what we need to do to be able to survive to be able to have security and be successful Uh, that's different for everybody Uh, subjective so it's, what do I believe about uh, myself? What do I believe about other people? What does that mean for me? As uh, What does that mean I need to do to belong and survive in this world? And, and so that's my, that's my lifestyle. Some people might call it a personality, but so that's my lifestyle is how I strive to move from inferiority to superiority. So those are important words for for Adler's theory, but another important word is social interest uh, and courage. So social interest is, to what extent does my way of moving from a felt minus to a felt plus, to what extent do I involve social interest in that? And that's whether that determines whether or not I have a useful lifestyle or not. So am I trying to meet life's problems and demands in a way that not only benefits myself, but benefits you and that benefits uh, my family, my community and humanity as a whole. So that's social interest. Whenever I try to meet life's demands and in that way, then I'm operating with social interest. 
And that takes courage. So whenever we don't have courage, then we, then we back off from that social interest and start meeting life's demands in other ways, or we run from life's demands. How do we make our lifestyle? Whenever we're children, small children, our creative power is free. And then as we develop our lifestyle, as we individually create our own lifestyle, now we have this template for living and we have this way of looking at ourselves and others in the world and what that means we should do. But I mean, we're doing the best we can. And I, I think we do a pretty good job too, you know, cause we all, the human race has survived and thrived. Even if you're not a counselor, if you think about if we're not satisfied with our lifestyle, we, we want to alter it somehow in some way. And so, but our, but our creativity, our creative power is restricted to that. So what we're wanting to do in counseling is kind of move that restriction. You know, that's a great way to look at those are all very key concepts to Adlerian theory um, as far as social interest. Adler was a contemporary of Freud. They used to go to meetings together and they had a fallout. We won't get into the whole history of it, but there are some really important differences in their thought process. Um, you know, Freud really um, believed in, in drives that were driven to do things. Um, as Adlerians, we, reje- we reject the notion of drives. Instead, we talk about, and Adler talked about, that we strive for things, that we use behavior to pursue goals, that those goals are a part of our lifestyle, right? And so as we explore our, our, our lifestyle, um, which is what the article is all about, we start to understand what, what clients' goals are. What are they pursuing? And then like Danny was talking about with social interest, we're trying to understand and help clients understand, are they pursuing these goals in a way that's socially interested, which means they're looking out for others, they're caring about their community, or are they pursuing goals that are self-interested, where the outcome is more about me um, and improving my situation. And another really interesting thing that I think ties in well with adventure therapy is that Motivation is key when trying to determine between social interest and self-interest. And the same action by different people, for one, it could be socially interested, the other, it could be self-interested. And an example I like to give would be like donating money to a charity. If my goal in donating money to a charity is because I need a tax write-off, that would be considered self-interest, self-interested behavior. Right. So it's great that I donated money to charity, but my goal is for my benefit, not for others benefit versus if I donate to the same charity, same amount of money. But the goal is to help others. I see a need in my community. I have the resources to help meet that need. And so I, I use that. And so thinking like in my facilitation of adventure therapy, um, I will use activities to get a motivation. And I will use activities to help clients understand their goals and how they're striving towards goals. I like to, when I front load, I'll use really specific language, but I'll try to hide things in there. Sometimes I'll do, um, back in the day, I do the human knot. And I would say the goal of this activity is to work together as a team. See if you can get the knot untangled. And I would watch them fight and bicker and argue, but they would get the knot undone. And at the end, I would ask them, were you successful? And they would always say yes. And then as we went through the experiential learning process or cycle, as we started to process those things, I would ask them, you know, well, what, what was the goal? The goal is to get the nod undone. Well, think about what I actually said. The goal was to work as a group. I could care less if they got the nod undone. And that was always like an aha moment for many, many of this, the, the clients that I would work with, that they had misinterpreted the goal or what the goal really was, they had shifted and worked and strived towards something else. So that's kind of, a, you know, some examples of how we would use and why I think adventure therapy fits really well with Adlerian theory. Danny and I have an article um, in the Journal of Individual Psychology. Individual Psychology is another name for Adlerian theory. And it's all about, it's, it's a very clear um, look at how to use Adlerian theory to um, inform and guide practice in adventure therapy. So we go through all the key concepts and talk about how they parallel with adventure therapy concepts. I looked through a few of your podcasts and saw that there's one um, about like what like what's going on neurologically during mm-hmm. experiential learning. And um, that's something when I do trainings, I'll use comfort zones or circles of comfort to talk about that. You know, 
Dan Siegel talks, you know, he's got the hand brain. I don't know if you're familiar, familiar mm-hmm. with the hand brain and, you know, in the, in the comfort zone, typically we can get bored. We can disengage. Our clients can get bored. Our clients can disengage. And in the panic zone, you know, Siegel talks about flipping one's lid. You know, that prefrontal cortex goes offline. Um, the ability to make educated and informed decisions really isn't there because we're in the panic zone. And really all we're thinking about is, can I get away or do I need to fight, survival, whatever it might be. And, um, so the need to, to help our clients or our students engage in activities and learning and challenge courses, whatever it might be, in a way that keeps them in that stretch zone where it's a, a healthy challenge, you know. And Vygotsky talks about scaffolding, getting right up against that that learning or that growth edge and helping our, as a leader or as a teacher, helping my students get to that point, but challenging them to make the choice to live in that zone, not just, you know, during our groups or during our class, but um, that's what I love is when you see that transferability and that they're always trying to, to make choices to live in that stretch zone and realize that's where um, I think at least that's where um, a fun and an engaging and a meaningful life is lived in that stretch zone. This episode is supported by Atomic Climbing Holds. With orders that ship in one to five business days and having removable climbing holds that are really ideal for a challenge course program, allowing you to adapt and change the routes that you might have on your traverse walls and your climbing walls, then I highly recommend you checking out Atomic Climbing Holds. You can find them at their website, Atomic climbingholds.com as well as see all the wonderful climbing holds that they make on their instagram at atomic climbing holds and atomic is with a k a-t-o-m-i-k climbing holds i'm going to tie it now into the article that the two of you co-wrote ubuntu a creative way to assess the Adlerian lifestyle Something that I was reading in the article, so we've referenced lifestyles, but the the concept of these five major life tasks, and then the relationship between utilizing Ubuntu to have discussions about those. Right. So, so you got friendship and love and self and spirituality, and so every every one of us we have to we have to meet those those life tasks. And you think about earlier whenever I talked about superiority and and the ability to meet life's problems head on and successfully, those life problems are the life tasks, those major life tasks. And so we're, each of us has to deal with work. And now whenever I say work, don't just think of a job or employment. Work could be um, reading a chapter so I'm prepared for my class next week, any number of things. So it's really, it depends on, on the person. It doesn't have to be the job that you clock in at. And then you got the friendship and the love and it takes courage to do it in a socially interested way because we can all meet those tasks and try to, to be successful in them in ways that are just have to do with us. And another thing is is that I wanted to bring up is it's not just whenever we say socially interested, we're not saying that, that you discredit yourself or that you disown your own needs. Like social interest includes, includes yourself. It's a, just not it's not at the expense of other people it's for the benefit of humanity as a whole yeah i think that's another point to tie in adventure therapy when you're working with groups the importance of the whole group succeeding i mean it's not about ignoring your own needs or what you know um, what's going on for you during the experience but it's about recognizing the whole group working together to succeed and so we can use the group as a microcosm for someone's uh, family for someone's uh, community for civilization, whatever it might be. So yeah, those those five life tasks are really important when we're working with any client. And like Danny was saying, because um, this can kind of hang hang people up a little bit, is well, what if I like what if someone's retired or um, what about kids? They don't work, and so it could be school for kids, but it could also be volunteering or something like that. It could be how someone approaches work and. Danny, I know you could maybe talk about this a little bit more, but there's a there's a wellness wheel in counseling and just in general, it's kind of moved throughout psychology now, this wellness model and it's this wheel and it's got the the five life task and then other things within it as well. I've seen Danny and I've heard Danny talk to students and teach students about how if any of those are out of balance, it can create either a flat tire if you're not spending enough time or you're not 
um, pursuing that life task in a manner that's socially interested. Or if you're spending too much on it, it can be like a bulge in that tire. And for a good tire, you don't want a bulge and you don't want it flat. You want it nice and round and balanced. And so with the life task, that's also what we're doing with clients is we're trying to explore how are they, how are they approaching those life tasks? Is any life task kind of flat that needs a little bit of attention? Is any getting too much attention and then causing problems as well? And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it brings up another point. But Dr. Dagley, he, he used to teach where I'm at now. He passed away a few years ago and I came to him one day and I was like, you know, I don't I don't know that I'm doing this right. You know, and this is he, he's the one that gave this to me. He's the one that did it. And and he said, he said, Danny, don't don't take this too seriously. He's like, he's like, this is a piece of paper. <laughs> you know, this is a piece of paper. You use it to help you. And the second that it stops helping you, throw it away. And so I really took that, you know, uh, it's helped me. It's like, okay, I'm taking myself too seriously. or I'm taking this too seriously. And whenever you look at the article that we're talking about with using Ubuntu for this, so so don't don't take it too seriously. Don't don't think, am I doing this the way that it's supposed to be done? So you use your own creativity. Um, not taking it too seriously using your creativity, reading the clients that you're working with and making sure that you're adapting to what they need. Because again, adventure um, is an intervention, I think, but it's also an assessment tool, the activities that we do. And so, uh, yeah, I just, you know, stress what Danny said, that it's so important to tap into that creativity, which is, which is what led to this article, Danny encountering um, some issues at a site where he was interning and trying to come up with a creative way to get um, adolescents to talk, to look for patterns in their life. And maybe if they want to decide to approach life differently, build that courage to approach life a little bit differently. I was thinking that I was going to read an already written activity that we had that you had adapted. And what I loved reading was actually not the case. It was taking the product, the tool, and using it in your own way, grabbing certain cards, using those metaphor images as ways to have discussion. I personally got really excited about that. And I think just to tie back as well, all the way back to David, you were saying you worked in special ed when you started and you realized that the the, the book you'd been given was not serving you and you needed to play and now you're talking about you had a struggle, Danny, and you had to find another alternative way to get information from him. And then you went to play or a, or a playful activity. I think that's the power of adventure. I think that we probably all share. It's the missing link with us getting information from people that would otherwise have been utterly mundane and uninteresting to the people we're working with. And then we've taken this product or this tool or prop and made it more fun and engaging. With with Ubuntu cards, it's probably my favorite prop. And a lot of my interns, I teach internship and practicum in school counseling while they're in my class, and then when they when they graduate and go on to find employment, you would you'd be able to walk up to many of them in the hall and ask them to show you their Ubuntu cards, like it's their identification. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of students just carry them around um, mm -hmm. in our graduates carry around because they never know they could pop into a classroom and a teacher will let them play really quick. And all of a sudden, you know, 30 students that didn't know them now know that they're the school counselor and they can come talk to them about this or that or whatever it might be. And I had an, I had an intern who was known as the card lady. Oh, you're the card lady. She would go out to recess and she'd play Ubuntu with, with students and just work her way through the book, different activities. Mm -hmm. and, and the students just loved it. And um, in school counseling, that's so important because you may get 15 minutes with a kid. And so you want to have as um, much rapport established with kiddos as possible before they come into your office. And, you know, I think Ubuntu is a great way to do that. And, and that's, you know, that's what the article is about. And that's what Danny found was a great way to connect with adolescents and get them to start talking and opening up. What I would encourage both of you to do if you haven't already done so, and this is a, like a plug for so for listeners listening, but on Facebook, we do have an Ubuntu cards group. So uh, feel free to like, you'll find it, go to high five and then there's a group. It's a collaborative experience of, I think there's 300 people maybe in it now. And so as people come up with ideas of how to use the cards, they throw it into there and it's a great community of sharing and learning. So I, I would encourage you to be adding some of the stuff that you're creating and throwing it in there. Everyone has their lens on how to utilize these things. And it's so awesome to be able to hear when people are using the things that we'd, we've, we've made in a way that we didn't intend, but that was the point. We're creating a resource and people can be creative. So, uh, thank you for both doing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And, and that's what I was in, I was in David's class whenever I first got introduced to Ubuntu cards and he used them in, in a few different ways. Whenever I was working with clients, with, uh, with adolescents, 
and trying to get that lifestyle information as Adlerians, we, we have traditional ways to, to do that. And one thing I noticed with kids is sometimes it's true and sometimes they just feel this way. It's, it's like they're always being interrogated. And, and one day I realized it's like, I, I, th- I think I'm interrogating this kid. And I was, and so I was, I was like, do you, you feel like you're being interrogated? And he said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it totally, it's just like, I just had to step back and say, is this how I want to interact with these kids? And and then that was just on, on that level. Another level is that, is that it just took a, it took a long time. And, and I felt like with the amount of time that I had available to be with these kids, that something a little bit more streamlined and quick was needed. And, and so I thought about the Ubuntu cars that David loves so much and I love them too. Now uh, I want to know, the lifestyle, right? I want to know what these views of self, views of other people and views of life in the world are. I want to know how this person, how this kid approaches life. And then together we can, we can explore what, how satisfied he or she is with that and, and move on from there. I just really use the single image side of the cards, three cards for each thing for the view of self. And then about three for the view of the, others and then the world. And I'm not really sure why I said three. It just seemed right. One to three. Um, sometimes people don't want to stop with that. And so that's why I say, don't, don't, when you look at that, do it, you know, don't let that stop you or put you in a gate. I got with the, one of the kids. And I was like, look, I've, I've got these cards and we can use them to, to help you tell a story about yourself. And, and so just from the start, I like to, I like to do it with cooperation. So I'll hand the kid half the deck. And I was like, let's lay these face up. And so we'll do that. And they're just not in any order. Sometimes some of them are on top of others, not, no big deal. I was like, you know, take your time and, and look through there and pick you one to say one to three cards that help you tell a story about who you are and what you're like. And then from there, then after that's done, uh, I'll just kind of introduce each part the same way. You know, do you see some cards in there that can help you tell a story about what other people are like and then what the world or life is like? Another one that that's important is, okay, what use the cards to help you pick a few more cards to help you tell a story about who you need to be or what you need to do to belong. And so from that, you can kind of get that lifestyle and together y'all can work together and say, okay, let's take these, uh, this first set, let's try to make a sentence out of that, you know, and then make a sentence out of the other one. And so you got that syllogism. I am, others are, the world is, therefore I must, and you fill in the blanks together. So it's not something as a, uh, clinician that I'm, I'm saying, this is what your lifestyle is. I'm saying, let's do this together. Let's work on this together. And then I like to throw in the other one, which is to fill in the blank, pick a few cards to help you fill in the blank. I blank me. And, and to me that that's, that reveals my satisfaction with my lifestyle, with how I approach life with, um, and how I view the world. And so we can really use that to, help once you get that satisfaction it's like okay what parts of this am i satisfied with which parts of this am i dissatisfied with what's been useful to me what hasn't been useful to me and then we can set goals together what's really cool also is that the metaphor so all of these things these are images these are metaphors and we can use these metaphors throughout the whole relationship together and, and so they can be useful. Mm-hmm. I found that this worked really well with the adolescents that I worked with. I've also found that it's worked well with supervision, uh, counselor supervision. I've used it in counselor supervision. So it's not just kids that it's useful with. It, it's with uh, older people, people of all ages, really, almost all ages. Really to add or just kind of restate it. With adventure therapy, it's so important to establish some common language with the clients that you're working with. And that's what I think in this article and from our experience with Ubuntu is it really does help establish some common language, some common metaphors that then you can keep, you can keep going back to that. And there's been times in classes, especially with my practicum and internship classes, we'll start, we'll, we'll play with the Ubuntu cards and everyone will pick one and I'll, I believe in, you know, the whole, I believe in destiny. I believe you get the card that you're supposed to get. And I believe that that card um, is a metaphor for like 
what the goal of our class is going to be this semester. What are we going to work towards? And they'll um, like pair up and try to decide which card do they want to go with. And we slowly narrow it down to one card. Um, and I remember one year it was a, um, uh, it was the Lego brick. Afterwards, you know, as the semester goes on, we keep going back to that metaphor of the brick. And there were a few reasons why they had chosen that. And as a class, we stuck with that. I don't know why I'm telling this story. It's just funny and fun. But uh, everyone at the end of the semester was like, yeah, we're going to do a special activity um, that involves the Lego brick. And what it was is I bought a little Lego set and I was taking away the instructions and they were going to have to try to put it together without knowing what it was. And I'd I'd front loaded it and then I had a whole processing thing. But someone said, are we going to get tattoos of the Lego brick? And then they're all like, we're getting tattoos of the Lego brick. And I was like, we're not getting tattoos of the Lego brick. It was a common language. We went back to that metaphor almost weekly. And to the point at the very end, we did an activity with Lego bricks and processed what they had learned, what they had built over the semester. Yeah, so it it does, it provides this common language, this metaphor um, and supervision or counseling or whatever it is that we're just constantly going back to. The clients created it. They've come up with that metaphor so we just believe that it must be purposeful and meaningful to them. Yeah, and that's a lot of that's in the article, but that's another reason that we that we wrote the article and, and the value that we see in using the Ubuntu cards to with clients. And one thing that I want to I want to highlight is that ad, adventure experiential education gave me permission to be creative and and to do things in a unique way because going going into school, I mean, or approaching things, it's just kind of like a, an assumption that I had that I have to do this A, B, C, D, E, uh, all the way through the list exactly. And if I stray, then I'm doing something wrong. And with the adventure uh, that David brought into to his courses, I just, I really didn't take long. I quickly understood the value of being an individual and so there's a reciprocal, to me, there's a reciprocal relationship between adventure and Adlerian. So on the one hand, adventure can open up Adlerian. On the other hand, the Adlerian theory can give a, a grounding and a base, basis, a foundation for what I do with adventure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that that's the benefit of hearing your stories and your relationship to your work, that it gives someone like myself who teaches this for a living much more credence to say there is legitimate legitimacy to the work that I'm doing because there is something tied to it that reinforces the benefit of what I'm saying, the benefit of the play and that kind of stuff. Um, and I would just go back to also what David was saying. If anyone's listened to this and you have tattooed on your body an Ubuntu image, please let us know. I, I'm not, I'm not forcing you to do it. I'm not putting out there you should do it i just know for myself it would be amazingly cool to hear that someone's got an ubuntu image tattooed on their body yes that would be awesome (laughs) i would love to see that tattoo myself Is there any last things that either of you like to add that you feel like you haven't yet added that you'd like to talk about before we wrap? The conversation took some different some turns that I don't think we anticipated, which is which is excellent. We we were kind of expecting to get on and only talk about this paper, which we we very much care about, um, mm-hmm. and we think is um, um will be very impactful to the field. So we're excited to for people to hear this and for people to go to the website and read it. Um, the the article that is linked on your website is the article in its original form, but I believe there's a link to um, the article in its final peer-reviewed form, um, but you have to have certain access through like a university library or something for that. So there's the, the article that anyone can read on the website, so we want people to do that. Through this conversation, as we talk more about experiential ed, especially the part you know when we were talking about that experiential ed does not just, or adventure doesn't just have to be um, out in the wild. Danny and I have an article that we recently published about using experiential education um, when doing virtual learning because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so that's something we can shoot you the link if you're mm-hmm. interested. I think it's open access right now. It's in the Journal of Constructivist Psychology. Adlerian's Constructivist in Nature. Uh, adventure Therapy is Constructivist in Nature, I think, too. Um, but we can shoot that to you if, if anyone's interested in that. And we go through ways to um, use the experiential learning cycle um, in a modified version of the adventure wave 
to teach. Um, we, we talk about college level courses, but really anything, how to kind of teach on in, an, in a virtual environment and still use experiential education. So I just wanted to plug that mm-hmm. um, more as it's, I think it's a good resource for people. We've been getting a lot of good feedback and people have been saying it's been helpful as they've planned their classes or been teaching online. A takeaway that I was thinking that I hope that everybody takes away from this is just to embrace your creativity. So, yeah, but as far as the conversation, this, this was a, this was awesome. It was a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad that, that we talked about more than just what I thought we was going to talk about it. It just made it more real. It made it more down to earth and, uh, very enjoyable. So thank you. Uh, if you, you asked anything that I had to add, really what I want to add is just to thank you, Phil, for, for inviting, inviting us on here. Yeah, it's been a good experience. You're very yeah, welcome. I agree. Thanks. It's been great. Yeah, you're welcome. Final question. So this is the this is just a, a random final question. Then you can also add um, what I would also ask you to add is how might someone reach out to you if you want to be reached out to or if you're open to that. But the final question is: we were talking about Ubuntu. Do you have a favorite image in the deck of Ubuntu? My favorite one is there's this glossy uh, 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 monkey. And what's the rationale? Why 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 was that your favorite? The rationale was I just I, I love the way that the monkey looks and <laughs> what looks kind of um like that monkey's having a good time. There it is. There too. it is. Look, that that <laughs> right there, this is amazing. This is amazing because that right there is what my youngest daughter has been doing for the past month. <laughs> right there. David, do you have a faith? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for it because maybe you can shed some light on this. Yes, uh, I do know some backstories on the cards, so you can always ask questions about that. Yeah. Okay, let me. I'm not finding it for some reason. So we were doing. Um, oh, here it is. Okay. So, um, like I said, I take a group of students. The past two years, we have we didn't go this year, um, and I'm not sure when we get to go back. But we've done a adventure therapy and adventure leadership in New Zealand study abroad, and as part of that. Um, every student has to facilitate an activity. So they pick an activity. They they do a write-up on how they're going to facilitate it. They run it by myself or my co-facilitator, my co-leader. And one of the students decided to do Ubuntu charades. So we're with a group, with the wilderness therapy group that we work with. And we're playing. And this this was the image that the guy was supposed to be acting out. Can you see it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So he, so this is a Kiwi guy and he comes back and he's doing the funniest stuff. Nobody knows what it is, but we end up laughing so hard. We lose miserably, but it didn't even matter. Like when we processed the, the activity, like my team lost. I mean, I don't even know if we got halfway through our people, but we had actually won because of just ha- like we had so much joy and I was laughing so hard. My face was hurting and, and the rest of the trip, like someone would make someone would do what the leader had done and it would just like erupt. So what is this? So the, the card that's got been, uh, David has shown is the penguin. So anyone who knows uh, what that is there, it looks like it's a penguin on the toilet. So my assumption it yes. was, was toilet related that the person was doing a charade. That's my guess. It's, uh, it sits on Ryan's desk. So uh, Ryan, one of the, the co-creators of Ubuntu, sits on his desk. It's a, it's from a, an aquarium and the bottom blue part is a trigger. So when you squeeze the trigger, the penguin's wings go in and its mouth uh, goes up and down and it makes penguin noises. So it's a little uh, penguin toy to simulate a penguin's movements. But absolutely no one would ever guess that that was what it is. They'd think it's a penguin on the toilet. And I think we can live with that. That's We can continue that onwards. In the instructions, or it comes with the deck of cards, mm-hmm. I believe it says that some of the cards have hidden messages. <laughs> yeah. Now... I have not found a hidden message, and I was wondering. Okay, I'm going to try to find uh, one I, for you. You could give me a head start, maybe yes. a hint or something. Yeah. So, uh, so all the, the there are eleven hidden words. The clock has motivation. Yes. I knew, yeah. Some of my students have found it. So, th- so this is this is a great activity. If anyone listening, this is always fun. Just as a just a random time suck, you just want to throw some cards down. Give the cards to the group and tell them to try to find the 11 hidden words on the multi-image side. I will give you the give you one. There is the hardest one on there is on the light bulb. And the word is ideas. So now that you've heard that one, you can try to see if you can find those. But yes, there are 11 hidden words. 
and they're all like on the mighty image. Taken behind the curtain and, and shown the <laughs> secrets. Now I'm, I'm so I'm, look, I, I, David. I don't know if you remember, but I told you I was like, "What, what are the hidden words?" And and I think I remember you saying, "What are you talking about, hidden words?" I'm like, yeah, they're hidden words, and they're somewhere. I just have not been able to find them. Well, what's funny is when they were made, we didn't reveal they were hidden words for five years after they'd come out. So it was one of those like we think maybe people have them. Now we'll tell them <laughs> there are words and see if anyone noticed. There's some on the battery, I believe. Um, yeah, just keep looking at those multi-image sides. There are 11. Yeah. Awesome. And I, I think the that. list of all of those 11s, if you go to that Ubuntu Facebook group, we posted that there and we posted what the 11 words are. So you can, it gives, does help you try to find them. Well, well it, it yeah. might help a little bit, but <laughs> I, I think I remember reading that list and, and I wasn't able to find any. Yeah. But I love, I love how, how determined y'all were. Yeah. Fun little Easter eggs that we added in. All right. Well, um, awesome. Thank you so much once again, uh, David and Danny, for joining me. Uh, this has been a real blast for me to talk about a, a different avenue of experiential ed, how you use the same stuff. You're all speaking the exact same language that I'm speaking, but just use it in a different way. Um, and that is really exciting. And I hope other people listening to this are, are equally infused. Oh, how might people find you? The best way to get in touch with me is through my email. And that's uh, McCarty, M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. So that's McCarty at SouthAlabama.edu. And the, the best way to get in touch with me is just to call Danny's cell phone number, which is, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, email email is great for me as well. It's um, D-D-C-H-R-I-S-T at U-R-I-D-U. And if you feel free to throw that up on the yeah. um, description or whatever. And yeah. Awesome. So feel free if you if you've been uh, encouraged or infused by the conversation and you want to learn more, please reach out to both David and Danny. They're happy to help and uh, they encourage it. So please do that. As I also do every time I say this, please email us. We want to hear from you. All right. Uh, thank yeah. you so much, everyone. Um, and thanks again to Danny and David. Thank thanks. you, Phil. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving us a good guy. <laughs>